Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome back. To another episode of the Daily, Daily Bible, Bible podcast. podcast. That threw me off, man. I was waiting for some sort of, I was even thinking in my my mind as I was saying that. I was like, just you know, I, I always say the same thing and Pastor hey, so boring. always comes in with something unique. Maybe that was the way that I was trying to get that to you so that you know. Maybe it's time to change things up a bit. Well, speaking of changing things up, man, I feel like I'm more mentally ready for this podcast than I've been for any other podcast in a long time. Why is that? Because I went out for lunch and I went to this place called Salad and Go. Oh. And I, I didn't go to Sonic. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, Proof I, I in the pudding. I mean, you look younger and healthier. Well, thanks, man. I, I, I did some push ups earlier plump. too. Yeah. So, I was, could tell. Yeah. just didn't want to throw that away. Your head is looking bigger. You know, like, I, I'm stronger on that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, speaking of uh, somebody's head who was not feeling very big, um, at this point in time, we're, we're, we're back in Job. And uh, this is the last time we say that, though, until next year. The last time until next year. And then we'll be back in Job next year. That's but right. for now, we're finishing Job. And for those of you that have been along for the ride going, you guys kept telling me it was going to get better. And we've only got three chapters left. Here you go. Your your time has arrived. It's getting better. Hopefully, starting now. this will be an encouragement to you. It is. Um, with a caveat, which we'll get to at the end. But Job chapter 40, uh, we jump in here. And basically, God just continues to silence Job. Um, and uh, and kind of with this whole idea of what, what, what was that you were saying about me again a minute ago, Job? Did you have something that you needed to say? Uh, it says in verse two, there shall a fault finder contend with the almighty. He who argues with God, let him answer it. And, and then he waits. And then he waits. With the pregnant pause, like, no, no, really, go. Yeah, come on. Answer, please. Yeah, please, Job. The floor is yours. As you were saying. Right. <laughs> and uh, and Job, I think, not I think, it is, for the first time, he's getting to that kind of repentant regret of going, okay, yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to wrap my mind around the attitude or the mindset that I should have had. He still probably doesn't understand why everything has happened that's happened to him, but he's getting to the mindset and the understanding of uh, that he had at the very beginning of the book where he said, should we receive good from God and not also receive evil or suffering from God? And when he, it said that he, in all of this, he did not charge God with wrong or curse him or sin in any of it, right? So he's kind of coming back to that mindset of humble submission to God's plan and God's sovereignty uh, as, as he goes through it. And he just says, look, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth and I'm done. I'm done uttering my complaints in my protest or anything else, I'm just going to shut up. And that's honestly one of the wisest responses you could give because, well, to, to what you were just saying, PPJ, he, he never knows why. God right. never tells him why. And granted, he probably read the, the book of Job when he was in heaven, like, oh, I guess this is what was going on. But the wisest course of action when arguing with God is often silence. It's not always the case, as we'll learn when we get into the Psalms. But in this particular instance, how wise it is sometimes just to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. God continues to just body blow after body blow with Job with just calling him to his place and putting him in his place. And and he repeats that phrase that we've already seen from God, but Job 40 verse 7, dress for action like a man. Again, prepare for battle with the Almighty, Job. Are you going to put me in the wrong? Are you going to condemn me that you might be right? Is that really what you're after, Job? You want to be right and you want to prove that I'm wrong? Um, and then he goes on and he basically says, look, if, if you can show me how you're like me, 
then then I'll listen to you. But you're not. You're the the creature. I'm the creator. And so you need to listen instead to me. And he, he in chapter 40, and then it bleeds into 41, there's these two creatures, right? There's the mm. behemoth in chapter 40, verse 15. Um, and uh, and there's, there's questions about what in the world is the behemoth. I mean, you mm-hmm. read the description of it. Mm-hmm. His tail is stiff like a cedar tree. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like bars of iron. Like this is a massive animal, whatever it is. At, at least as large as a raccoon. At least, at least. It's safe to say that. <laughs> Easy. I mean, you're not going out on a, a, a thin limb there. I think that one's pretty good. Safe limb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's this amazing description of a gigantic animal. And some commentators are going, it's a hippopotamus. <laughs> some are like, it's elephant. an elephant or a dinosaur, right? We don't know what it is, except that it's it's mammoth. And it's no man could ever hope to control this thing. And yet God is saying, I, I created it. And I make it to lay down in the, 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 the uh, what's the, the, under the, the lotus plants, he lies down in the shelter of the reeds in the marsh. I just, we got an, a new puppy at home and, and the, the puppy likes to, to play and, and then it tuckers, tuckers itself out and goes, lays, lays down in a corner. So I'm thinking of this like gigantic animal and like, I'm, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go lay down. <laughs> um, but God is the one that created this thing. And it's just this, this awe-inspiring, amazing creature. And God's like, that, I did that. Did you do that, Job? I right. did that. Um, in fact, in verse 15, it says, behold behemoth, which I made as I made you again, it's, it's God kind of reminding Job of his place. Like you're the creature, I'm the creator and I created this massive animal and I created you. But I think of more interest, right? At least as I read it was the Leviathan. Yes, definitely. This is the one that I have question marks all over. Right. And I wrote as a a note down and and kind of in chapter 41 for a a good portion of it, at least, is just the idea that God is relentless, man. Like he's he's going to make sure that Job understands. Well, be careful what you pray for. Right. (laughs) Job was spending the whole book saying, if I could just get a a hearing with him, then I can make my case. Be careful what you pray for. Right. Because here it is. Here's your hearing, Job. You got it. But Leviathan, can you draw him out with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? So it seems like this is some sort of sea creature as we read that. And, uh, and he's going through and, and describing him. Will you play with him as a bird or will you put a leash on him for your girls? I like that. Are you going to bring this as a home, as a pet home to your, your, your children, Joe? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Again, this is some sort of a, a sea creature, uh, which has led a lot of people to say, oh, it's a crocodile. It's an alligator. It's something like that. Or it's a, it's a, some sort of prehistoric dinosaur that inhabited the, the deeps. Maybe. But as God keeps going, he, he has this interlude here who he kind of interjects his point there. He says, who has first given to me that I should repay him? What is under the whole heaven is mine, verse 11. Yep. So he's saying even these massive creatures that no one can touch, it's mine. I created it. And it, who do I owe anything to is kind of what God is, is driving at there. But back to the Leviathan, he says, his back is made of rows of shields on verse 15. One is so near to another, no air comes between them. And then this is the part, right? Verses 18, 19, 20, and 21. Chin scratcher. I'm going to read this because it's worth our attention. His sneezing flashes forth light. His eyes are like eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth goes flaming torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils comes forth smoke. As from a boiling pot and, a, and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals and a flame comes forth from his mouth. Pop quiz, what animal is that? <laughs> what does it sound like? I mean, it, it sounds like he's describing a, a dragon, a right? A mythological creature. Yeah, and, and the, dragon, the dragon shows up. 
in biblical literature, doesn't it? It shows up in yeah. eschatological literature. Satan is depicted as a dragon. Mm-hmm. And so for a dragon to be in view here as a mythological creature, some have gone there and said, well, this is a hyperbolic statement by God kind of saying, look, even if the dragon were a real creature, Job, I would be the one that, that created it. Could you do anything to, 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 to affect, affect that or impact that? No, he would be my creation. Others have said, hey, look, this is just a reference to when these sea creatures would sneeze, the water coming out of their nose or the mouth in the sunlight looked like flames of fire. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think we got to be open-handed. open-handed. Right. Jinx. Whoa, that's crazy. Get out of my head. <laughs> um, because we just don't know. But this is a massive creature and God's point is I control it. I control it. And it really isn't that. That is the point. I don't think we actually need to know what animal this refers to necessarily. Right. Although I do think it's a real animal. And I don't, I don't think the hyperbolic thing works as well for me in terms of the point. I, I think you lose some of the power of what God's doing here, the rhetoric, if you say, well, even if I were to invent this creature, you still wouldn't be able to tolerate it or be able to tame it. Okay, maybe that's the case. But certainly with real things in front of all creation, God's using real animals as examples the whole time. Therefore, I think this is a real creature. Maybe we don't know it yet. We haven't discovered it yet. Who knows? But the point is, Job, you don't know. And Job, you can't tame. The wildest beasts cannot be tamed. Even today, we still see that. The guys that play with the tigers eventually get mauled by the tigers. One of the famous TV guys who interacted with wild animals lost his life by a wild animal. So, even for those guys, they can't tame the wild. How much more can you not tame the God of all creation? Right, right. It's interesting, though, just the descriptions of it. The underparts of verse 30 are, are sharp potsherds. He spreads himself on the threshing floor. He makes the deep boil. Uh, it's, you, if, you, if you've read The Hobbit or if you've seen the movie adaptations of The Hobbit, the, 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 the dragon smog in, in those movies, just, it just it, he could be describing that. It's crazy the way that, that it, it, uh, it matches up there. So, crazy. Uh, chapter 42, Job, Job finally fully gets it as far as his place and God's place. And he confesses, he says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Mm. Referring to himself there. I've uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I will speak. I will question. You make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And I think this is important for us because Here's what we need to, to realize. Job's repentance comes before the restoration of all of his, all of the good in his life. Hmm. Job doesn't repent contingent upon receiving back everything that God then provides for him. Because if you read the rest of chapter 42, the Lord doubles everything that Job had previously. And Job ends up his life in a, in a pretty good way. In fact, even doubles his, his fellowship. Like his family comes back to him and eats with him again. Hmm. So, but that's not why Job repented. And that's important for us because if you're out there suffering right now, the message of Job is not repent and or better things will happen. Right. Or or admit that you don't you're not God and God is, and then all of a sudden your life will get better. It may not get better. Right. It, it, it may not. It may get worse. It may stay the same, right? Or it, maybe it will get better. But but the point is this the whole intention of Job is to help us understand who God is and who we are. And that he's the one that's in control and we're not. Yeah, that's such a powerful thought. And one of the things that Job says that I think ought to resonate in line with that thought is that knowing about God is not the same thing as knowing God. Mm. God uses a whole host of tools to get us to the same place that he himself is at. We recognize, and we say it so flippantly sometimes that we might even not really catch what we're saying. Humans, your life, my life, we're here to bring glory to God. 
Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Because if it comes down to it, and God's picking a fight with the devil because of your life, and if your suffering brings glory to God, well, then mission accomplished, Christian. Your suffering is doing exactly what you say your life is about, to bring Mm. glory to God. And if you believe that, if you truly trust that, you would welcome that. You would say, well, then so be it, Lord. If that's what you want to have happen in my life, that it might bring glory to you, then so be it. Job isn't there. He knows a lot about God, but he doesn't know God. And God has to bring him to his knees in submission in order to, to have Job learn to trust him. And even at the end of the story, to your point, we don't, we're not guaranteed riches or long life or happiness or our sons and daughters. God may or may not do that. And every gift he does give us is a gift of grace that we aren't entitled to. Knowing about God is not the same thing as knowing God. We ought to really work hard to not only say what we believe, but mean it, to believe what we believe about living for the glory of God. Yeah, yeah. In fact, somebody who suffered a lot in scripture that didn't end up with the same response or same ending that Job got is the guy that we're looking at in the book of Acts. If you flip over in your Bibles to our New Testament reading in Acts chapter 15, we're dealing with, and and Paul is really at the, the, the forefront of this, and we'll get to Paul's resume of suffering that he gives us in 2 Corinthians later on. But man, Paul is a guy, remember when God saved him, we, we looked at that in the book of Acts already. God told Ananias, look, I'm going to show him how much he will suffer for my name. And and Paul lived a life of suffering, a life of, yeah, of pain, a life of, of loneliness, a life of anxiety, a life of all of these Betrayal. things. Betrayal. Right. And it, and it never got better. It didn't finish on a high note for him where it was like, okay, Paul, go, go off for your, you know, pastoral retirement and and kick your feet up. Like he just wore himself out for God and then he's executed. And it's like, okay, there's the end. Okay. So, um, when we get to Acts chapter 15, if you recall our last time we were looking at the Jerusalem council, in other words, what do we do with all these Gentiles now that we've got Gentiles and Jews that are intermingling in the church and how do we handle this? Circumcise them. Circumcise them, right? That was the initial thought and then everybody said, well, maybe not. And uh, and then they, they pulled back on that and they said, remember, we're not trying to put the yoke of, of the Mosaic law on these people because our forefathers couldn't bear that. We couldn't bear that. Why would we expect them to be able to bear that? But we will believe that that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, verse 11, right? So then they they decide to dispatch this uh, this group, this team, with this letter, along with Paul and Barnabas, to, to go back and to explain, here's what we agreed upon. And that's what they do. Um, and it, I think it's important in verse 25, it, see, it says, it seemed good to us having come to one accord. That's so important. That's such a good thing when you see a group of believers get together, and especially a group of leaders get together in the church to discuss a matter, and they can reach a, a decision where everybody's behind that decision. Yeah, one accord. I didn't even realize they had Hondas back then. But yep. clearly they were all in one And they were accord. bigger because they could all fit. They could all fit in one accord. Dude, yeah, that's, cars, so, that's, the, that's worse than any dad joke I've thrown out on I here so know, far. Man. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> we'll throw up a poll on, on our right. non-existent. Okay. No, I own it. I own it. I take it back. <laughs> Sorry, you can have back your life. But they send these men, um, including a, a guy who's going to factor into this that we're introduced to here, a guy named Silas, is, uh, is part of this dispatch. Sylvanus. Sylvanus. That's his long name. Silas, Silas is his shortened name of, of Silvanus. So Silvanus sticks around throughout some of Paul's epistles. You'll see his name later on as Silvanus. Right. They're sent off, verse 30, they come down to Antioch. Again, they're coming back to Syrian Antioch here and gathering the congregation together, they deliver the letter. They read it, they, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And I imagine the, the men in that congregation they were They cheered that. really loud. Yeah. <laughs> yes! <laughs> they're like, that's what we were hoping for. They so were sweating until they heard God. that message. Right. <laughs> Right. 
they're, it, things are going well. They're encouraging people. Uh, some of the dispatcher leaves and, and goes back, but Paul and Barnabas, it says in verse 35, remained in Antioch and, and they're doing ministry there. They're teaching and they're preaching with many others also. Uh, but then it comes time for another another commission, another missionary journey. And yet we've got this problem. You remember the last time they went on a missionary journey, we had John Mark with them and John Mark abandoned. He left. We don't know why though. We don't know why, but it was enough that it was off-putting to Paul. And so now Paul and and uh, Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go out on another missionary journey and Barnabas wants to bring John Mark again. And mm. Paul's saying, man, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not ready to bring him again. Barnabas is insistent and there's, it says in the text in verse 39, a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. And Barnabas takes Mark and Paul then takes Silas with him. So who's right then? There's a sharp disagreement. Eventually, we, we know, Scripture says that uh, Paul would say that Mark is useful to him. Right. That they become friends, reconciled, whatever happens. So what do we make of this then? Who's right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah I, I think... In some ways, we have to be open-handed with this as well because we don't know the nature of the disagreement. You know, I think we want to—we're we're prone to give Paul the benefit of the doubt just because we we think so highly and and rightly so of Paul. Right. But Paul himself was not a perfect person, and so it's possible that he just got annoyed with a young believer. And Barnabas is a more patient, you know, it's godly, mature, right, tutor <laughs> to to come alongside, for lack of a better term, yeah, uh, discipler to come alongside John Mark, who needs more patience and needs more of that. And and Barnabas was the guy for that job, and Paul wasn't willing to to do that or wasn't in a position to do that. We, we don't know. Here's what we do know. We get two missionary journeys out of one yep. out of this. Two for the price of one. Yeah, because you've got Barnabas and Mark, they go off and they, they go out to Cyprus. Barnabas is like, oh, I'm going to go minister to them, the island over there. I think they need Jesus over <laughs> on the island. Beverly Hills, Malibu. Yeah, I, I, th- I take from this that there are times when there is a, a good reason to separate, to do different ministry paths. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a sinful thing. Nothing in the text tells us that Barnabas or Paul are in sin by choosing to take one person versus the other. The sharp disagreement uh, gives us a sense of, okay, there's times in ministry, times when it's appropriate and perhaps wise and prudent to separate ways. And eventually, because of what you're saying, Pastor PJ, they go, they, they flank that whole area, Asia right. Minor, and they hit more territory. And right. the gospel spreads more effectively because of this thing. Right, right, because you've got uh, Barnabas and Mark who go west over the, the, the sea there to, to get to Cyprus, and then you've got Paul and Silas, as we'll find out, as they launch on the second missionary journey, and they go north up through Syria, Cilicia, um, uh, and then into the regions of Galatia, part of it, and, and onward. And that's where we get in chapter 16, which we'll pick up on our next episode. But I, I do think this is cool. We, we, we see both the, the full accord and the unity of the church at work, and, and it, it's producing good things. And then we see, uh, I think, I, I think, to your point, Pastor Rod, a, a, a godly disagreement lead to good things still happening when these four individuals here go, okay, we're going to continue to go do ministry. We just may not be doing ministry together right now for this season. Right. So please don't break up with us. We're not asking you to leave our ministry or to, to go to a different church. Nope. But there are times, and God's going to use those disagreements and those non-sinful breakups to accomplish his good purposes. We should take great confidence in that. Great confidence. Hey, you know what's exciting is today is July 9th, and uh, we are meeting for the first time today as a church on Sunday morning. Wow, what a day. It's awesome. 
We hope red it's letter awesome. day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't know. It could be awesome in a great way. It could be awesome in other ways. Right. But it's our soft launch. So it's not the same thing as our formal launch. It's our soft launch. Yeah. Our formal launch is coming in August and we're going to celebrate that big time. But this is a big day for our church and we are excited for that. We would just ask that you would join in praying for our church and especially if you're a part of our church family here locally with we us. We kind but of expect your prayers if you're we part expect of our your church. prayers. Uh, but everybody who's tuning in, if you guys could pray for our church, we are, are just. Uh, really hopeful for what God will do through this lampstand here in North Texas. But That's right. uh, we'll be back with you again tomorrow on the 10th with another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See you guys. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.